Are you ready to change the trajectory of your business and see massive improvements? Each week, we'll share strategies and practices to generate sustained results and long-lasting success in your organization. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies Podcast. I'm Jeff Standridge. Hey, and this is Jeff Amarine. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Uh, summer's flying by. I can't hardly believe that uh, kids are getting ready to go back to school. And, and uh, you know, you, you generally like to take a little bit of downtime during the summer, but I think we've all been uh, busier in a one-armed paper hanger. Yeah, and the good news about the fall coming is college football right around the corner. It gets no better than that. It That's gets right. absolutely no better than that. Hey, uh, let's hop into what we're talking about today, Jeff. We are talking about uh, timely decision-making. So this is part of one of the best practices around organizational effectiveness. As you know, we, we uh, with our Growth DX, we evaluate 75 some odd best practices uh, across a variety of, of uh, domains or competency domains. Uh, we spent our last several weeks talking about the revenue velocity domain. Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago talking about the organizational effectiveness domain, and we've got uh, three or four episodes left in that domain before we jump into the operational effectiveness. So uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the mission and vision component of organizational effectiveness. Then we talked about organizational targets and goals. So what are the long-term targets uh, that have to be accomplished for a vision to come to fruition? And then what are the short-term goals that need to be accomplished within the next 12 months to move us as far down the path as we can. Today, we're talking about timely decision-making, four practices to make sure that decision-making in your company happens fast and easily. So how about we jump into that? Yeah, I know it, sound, it sounds good. And, and, and I'll, I'll say it in general, one of the things that you see in organizations of varying sizes is the fear of not having adequate information to be able to make a, a an appropriate decision. So sometimes it's the uh, perfection is the enemy of good enough. And, and I think that all of these things that we're going to cover today support that idea that taking a decision in an appropriate and a timely fashion can make all the difference in a business because lack of a decision leads to the sort of atrophy and, and things happening to you rather than taking action on what needs to be acted upon. So let's- And, and you know, yeah, and, and at its core, lack of a decision is in fact a decision, right? That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And we see that all too often, right? People feel paralyzed. They don't think they can make a decision or move forward on something and they miss out as a result. Well, well let's start with uh, with point number one here is, is having a culture of empowerment versus one of autonomy. So a little bit about empowerment versus autonomy. I, interestingly, I looked up the word empowerment the other day as I was preparing for another talk. And when you empower someone, you actually strengthen uh, their ability and their confidence at controlling the circumstances around them, at making decisions, right? And so having this concept of empowerment is that people are are strengthened in their ability to make decisions on behalf of the organization within a set of boundaries. A lot of people get uh, autonomy and empowerment confused. Autonomy is making decisions independent of anyone else or independent of outside influence or a set of boundaries where empowerment is is making decisions within a set of guidelines or a set of boundaries and organizations that build a culture of empowerment they actually strengthen the ability of their people to make decisions in a timely fashion and to make good decisions within a timely fashion a hundred percent right and part of that comes from this idea of having well understood limits of authority and sometimes what large organizations will do is they'll deflate 
their their lower level supervisors and even their line employees because they won't have the authority to act on anything. They'll be plenty responsible and plenty accountable, but they'll have to ask permission to make a decision, which they ought to be able to make at their level. And so in, in the military days, and it goes back that far, more than 40 years, we talked about this equilateral triangle where you have an equal measure, authority, responsibility, and accountability. And what often happens in organizations of varying sizes is the, the authority is not there. And so consequently, the hamstrung and you can't make that timely decision because you haven't empowered that next person in the food chain to be able to do so. Yeah. So, so you ask yourself three questions. Am I accountable for the results of whatever happens with this decision? Am I responsible for ensuring that those results come to fruition? And then thirdly, do I have the authority to make that decision in order for those results to be managed? Exactly. And it, and it leads into this next one as well, I think, about minimizing unnecessary policy and procedure. Talk, talk about some of that. Well, you know, how many times do we now, granted, I'm I am a proponent of having business processes outlined and documented because that actually improves the level of empowerment within an organization. But to have a decision grid for every single decision that has to be made or to have an inordinate amount of policies and procedures that any way I go, I run the risks of violating them uh, can just be too onerous on the decision making process and, and slows things down enormously. Yeah, this thought of that balance sort of loose tight or that balance between having guidelines where you still allow someone that you're asking to do something, the ability to exercise their own judgment and, and to not be afraid of, of violating some procedure or policy they weren't even aware of. Well, I've, I've even heard of examples before of organizations that say you have the authority and you're empowered to make any decision you can make to to ensure that your customer is satisfied up to $3,000, up to $1,000, whatever the nature of the products and services that you sell. But that's an example of empowering someone, giving them set, a set of guidelines and not trying to manage them by onerous policies, procedures, and decision trees. Yeah, and it, it, it can cause a lot of strife within an organization if there's this gotcha game where people believe they are empowered to actually take action and then they're told by someone that's in a compliance or control role, it's like, no, you needed to coordinate that with these other five groups. So making sure there's clarity there, I think, is the key thing. Yeah, that also plays into having a clear organizational structure, a clear organizational chart where everyone knows who reports to whom. And if I'm struggling to make this decision, to whom can I go in order to fast track the process? Uh, who's my direct leader, who's his or her direct leader, and how do we get this decision made quickly when I feel maybe not as empowered as I should, because there will become some, there will come some situations where it's ambiguous and I don't really know the answers to the authority, responsibility, accountability, all of those uh, three components of the triad, and I might need to just get someone in the boat with me. Well, to whom do I go? Is it clear? And even, and when you've got that clarity on org chart, there's, there's an interesting process that, that I've used most times to, <laughs> to, to solid most uh, times. results. Most times. And, and that is, unless directed otherwise, and there's an acronym you could use, unless directed otherwise, but how you get the ability to have enough rope or a leash to do that, that unless directed otherwise, is you, you send that uh, notice or that email or make that call or that voicemail or that text to say, this is what I'm thinking of doing, and here's why, unless directed otherwise. 
And that yeah. way, you know, in organizations that I think value that kind of a mindset are the ones that get a lot of stuff done and head in a good direction. You know, one of the boards that I serve on, uh, we we use the SBAR process. So anytime the executive team is bringing an item that requires board approval, usually it's for an unbudget expenditure of some sort uh, of a certain level, uh, they'll come forward with an SBAR. So situation, background, analysis, and my recommendation. Here's the situation. Here's some background that led to that situation. Here's my analysis of the situation and the cost implications and the uh, ROI implications. And here's my recommendation based upon that. And that tremendously streamlines and standardizes the process when a decision has to be elevated up through the channels. Make it easy on the decision maker. If you're not the one to make the decision, make it easier on make it easy on the decision maker to say yes or to say no for that matter. Absolutely. And, and this, this all uh, underpinning on all this is effective communication and over communication and, and also making sure that, you know, when you think about where you sit in the org chart, am I just getting this communication because it's informational or am I expected to take some action or approval on it? So that gets back to th that's an element of what I would say would be necessary policy and procedures. Understand what do I what, what am I really signing off on? Is it does the buck stop with me? Or is this just an FYI? Some of that clarity can really help. That's right. You know, I like to talk about the four uh, ways that I make decisions in an organization or that a leader should make decisions within an organization. It's really based upon the risks involved with making that decision or with the decision at hand and the competence of the people who are making the decision or the competence of the team to make the decision. And so the first and foremost is, is uh, the command decision making. Uh, the example I use is if the building catches on fire, I'm probably not going to say, show of hands, what do you think we need to do, right? I'm going to say, you go call 911, you close the fire doors, the rest of you follow me out, go out through that door, uh, let's make sure everybody else is going. I'm going to make a command decision. Then there's collaborative. The second C is collaborative decision making where I pull people around the table, I ask for their feedback, I'm still going to make the decision. It's still a single leader uh, uh, decision to be made, but I want to get feedback from all of the people who can help me make the best decision while making it clear with them that the st decision still rests with me. Then there's consensual decision making. Hey, you know what? The risks are a lot lower. The team's very confident and competent in this regard. So let's bring everybody together and say, what do you guys think? All right. So this is what we've decided. You good? You good? You good? You good? Anybody have any issues? Okay, great. Let's move forward. And then finally, there's what I call convenience decision making, where I'm completely confident in the ability of the person making the decision. The risks may be high, the risk may be low, the risk may be somewhere in between, but I fully trust the uh, judgment and decision making ability and the competence of the person who's, and I say, look, uh, make a decision, I trust you, whatever you decide to do. So command, collaborative, consensual, and convenience decision making. That's a great guideline. And I think it's time for us to make the decision to land the plane, my friend. That's exactly right. And what we're going to talk about is kind of the, the, the tail end of decision making is having people who have individual competency uh, along with clearly defined and accepted roles. And that also happens to be a component of performance expectations, which we're going to be talking about in the next episode. All right. Thanks for joining. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. See you soon. Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.